Well, we're starting a new series today um, about the, the spirituality and the practicality of what you own. And um, over the next three weeks, the goal that I have for you as your pastor, we have for you as a, a church, is we want you to find freedom. Now, we've used this word owned, and, and it's just kind of a play on words, and, and we'll talk about it through the course of this series. But it raises the question, when you have things and resources and bank accounts and all that, who owns who? Have you ever bought something and, um, that you wanted or that you needed, and then you owned it, and then you realized, in a sense, it owns you? Have you ever had that experience? Uh, I bought uh, can you hear me okay? Making sure we're, we're good. Okay. The, the weed trimmer broke, and um, I bought a new weed trimmer, and I did not realize that I was going to spend so much of my life winding trimmer line. Have, has anybody... I wasn't planning on spending my entire weekend doing this, but here I am. Uh, who, who, who is it that owns who? And um, things that you own, your possessions, your money, they, they all send your life in a certain direction. So there's a, there's a spirituality to them. And we're going to learn from Jesus about how to think about our things. And so I want to invite you to stand with me if you would. Uh, we always stand together out of reverence for God's word. As we read it aloud, I'll read it and aloud, and you can follow along on the screen. These are the words of Jesus in the gospel of Luke chapter 12. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Would you say verse 34 out loud with me? It's the theme of our whole series. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Now, I, I want you to notice something. Um, what Jesus said right there, he, he didn't say what you and I think, the way you and I think it happens. Are we okay on the mic, guys? Give me a thumbs up. Can you hear me? Okay. All right. I, I hear things on my end, and I have ADHD, so we'll see if we can make this happen. Uh, I, I, here's how we think it happens, right? We think what happens is, is what really Jesus means is, um, you know, where... Let me just wonder, how about that? See if I can find this. Can you hear me? Can can you hear me now? If you're online, we're so glad you're here. <laughs> I'll put this in my back pocket. Are we okay, Brian? We'll see. Something's interfering. Okay, there's not a lot we can do about that. Okay, well, stay with me. Stay tuned. I promise this is going to work. So, what we think is, you know, where where my wherever I put my heart. Well, my treasure will just follow. And Jesus says, that's not how it works. That's not how, how the physicality of what you own and possess, that's not how it works. He says, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. It's like if you take your treasure and you attach a string to it, and your treasure can be things you own. It could be your money. It could be any number of things. Take a string from that, wherever that you've placed that, and Tie that string all the way back to your heart because that's how it works. That's the psychology of how things get into our heart. So Jesus says, so put your treasure in the place that you want your heart to be. So here's what we're going to do over the next several weeks is very practically and helpfully we're going to do that. And so we're going to kind of do this meditation on 
this, uh, this verse here in Luke chapter 12, verse 34, uh, for the next three weeks. We're going to come back to it each week, and we're going to talk about it um, and, and be very practical. Uh, l- l- think with me for a second, just to kind of jump us off here, about the spirituality of our day around possessions. I want to show you something from the book of Proverbs. We're going to be using several verses from the book of Proverbs um, in this message. Uh, but Proverbs chapter 13, which I think... Uh, represents the spirituality around, uh, in, in our day, around possessions. This is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7. One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. I, I, now, listen, you, you, you see this when you drive down the road. I do. I see it driving down the road, and, and um, I'm not saying I'm the perfect example of this, but you know, I'm in my um, 2007 Honda Odyssey um, where I live, and then I'm seeing all these people with these nice cars, and I have the fleeting thought that comes through my mind and heart on the regular. Well, why don't I have a car like that? I don't know their situation. I don't know how they got into that situation. But here's what I know based on the statistics. I'm going to give you a bunch of stats today that are, I, make you mad I, I, intentionally. The absolute majority of people in this area have lots of stuff, but almost They drive. Here we are, together. <laughs> Hang on. There we go, there we go, there we go. How, how's that? Okay, oh, wow, that's so much better. If you're online, thank you for sticking, this, sticking it out with us. The, the vast majority of people have cars that they drive, but they don't o- actually own the car. The bank does, right? Uh, the vast majority of people take vacations that they don't actually pay for. They let the bank pay for them, and then they pay them back for the next two or three years. Homes, clothes, groceries. It's actually the rare, based on statistics, okay, the rare person who actually owns anything. In the words of the title of this series, we're actually owned by the bank. That's who, that's who we're owned by. And so there's two ways I want to help you today. I want to help you uh, in, in two ways. I want to ask you, <laughs> this is going to be fun. I have no stand. I want to ask you to get angry. I w- I'm not going to try and make you angry. I want you to get angry about what we're going to talk about today. And then I want to ask you to do something that's abnormal, or I want to ask you to get weird. I want you to get angry about a specific thing. I want you to get angry about debt, because very honestly, it's suffocating you, and I want you to uh, give you some tools in this message today to actually do something about it. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Ask and you shall receive. Uh, thank you. Appreciate that. And then, and then what I want you to do on the flip side is I want, you to, I want you to get weird and make a decision that you're not going to live like everyone else. You're going to make a decision today, walking out of here today, that you're not going to be normal and that being in debt, like every, I'm going to show you a lot of statistics here. Being in debt up to your eyeballs is the normal thing in our culture, but God wants you, in a sense, to get weird, okay? So here's, here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to give you kind of where we're going to go over the course of this series, and then we'll unpack debt today. Um, number one, God wants you to reduce your lifestyle and, and eliminate all the debt in your life. Then God wants you to give extravagantly first to him and then to yourself in the form of savings to your children and to their children. So we're going to talk about that in the course of this series. So let me talk to you about tackling debt. Now remember, the goal for today is that you are angry. 
I, I want you to see, hear these statistics I'm going to show you. I, I, just in, in doing research, I, I got mad. I got, I thought, this is ridiculous. And I want to show you some current facts about consumer debt in America. I think we got it on the screen here. Guys, give me that. So here's, here it is. Uh, Americans are carrying a grand total of $925 billion just in credit card debt alone. Now, people during the pandemic, they thought, oh, credit debt is going down. But actually, in the last uh, six months, it's gone up by $38 billion. Nine hundred twenty. Now, let me give you, if you can't get your head around $925 billion, let me give you a way to think about that. That means if the, you were alive when Jesus was born, and you spent, so we're 2,000 years, circa 2,000 is when Jesus was born, and you spent a million dollars every single day since then, you, so you're, you're zero, right, to today, you still would not have spent $925 billion. That's how much money that is. Right now, there are more than 537 million active credit cards in the United States. I hope you know the population of the United States is about half that. Uh, The average American household, again, we're talking averages here across the country, um, has over $6,000 in credit card debt. In fact, Kansas, we're number 32, 6,184. And I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but in your mind, are you higher or are you lower? Uh, the, the average American, so the American adult, has three credit cards and 2.3 store credit cards with an average annual percentage rate of around 20%. Now, uh, that's, a, that's a smoke screen. Again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help you get angry, okay? And this is going to make you mad. You're, I, I, mean, I hope you're mad after I tell you about this. I want to show you this. This is a, I, I put this on the screen, a minimum uh, payment. You can go there, bankrate.com, and you can find that yourself. And, and you can figure out, they've done the, they do the math for you, that if you have the average debt, okay, so there you are, the average debt's in Kansas, 6,184, the interest rate's 20%, and you're going to pay basically the minimum payment. That means that uh, over the time that you pay this loan, you're going to pay an additional, in addition to paying back the $6,000, you're going to pay an additional $9,696.79. Now, let me make you really, really mad because if you look at that, that means it will take you 298 months to be rid of your debt. 298 months is 24 years. So, so I, I did the math. I'm like, okay, well, this is ridiculous. This is really ridiculous. That means that if you took, you went to Starbucks and you bought a coffee for $7. I, I broke up with Starbucks. I don't know about you because it's getting ridiculous, um, except for this morning. Um, <laughs> this week, I'm doing it. Really, I am. <laughs> so, so stay with me here. Seven, seven dollars Okay. $7. Let's say you, you put it on credit and you made the minimum payments. That means it's going to take you 24 years to pay off that coffee. And you're going to, instead of paying actually $7 when you add the interest, that means you're, that coffee cost you $17.50. So let's just say, for money's sake, that you go on a vacation and you spend roughly $3,000, something like that. And um, you put it on credit and you pay the minimum payment, it's going to take you 24 years to pay off that vacation. And instead of it actually costing you $3,000, it's going to cost you $7,500. 
and that, we're just, talking cons- we're just talking basic consumer debt here. I've got another um, slide for you here. This is a great follow on Instagram, Personal Finance Club. Great, um, I follow him on Instagram. But he's just like, okay, there's the credit card debt, the average debt. Automobile debt, about $11,000. Student loans, about $12,000. Mortgage, $135,000. I mean, that's the, that's the level of debt. Here's, the, here's a quote I came across. There are three kinds of people in this country, the haves, the have-nots, and they have not paid for what they have. <laughs> so a lot of us, we are stuck with this debt, and it weighs on it on us. And in this present moment, we have no freedom. Instead, we're enslaved to purchases we made a long time ago. Uh, here's how Proverbs says it, Proverbs 22, verse 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Here's a picture from a graduation that came up that I think is very fitting here. I, I don't know if you can read that. I am in so much debt, please help, on the back of someone's, someone's hat. Here's, here's how, the, if you're familiar, Joe Sangal, uh, he's a Christian financial expert. He has a website called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. Great tools there. I'll get a picture of it on the screen for you. This is what he says. Debt is the single greatest cause of stress and financial problems. Do you agree? And this is what he said. He said, I have never had a person come to me and say, hey, Joe, I obtained a credit card. I ran up a huge balance. And now all of my dreams have come true. Never happened. Never happened. So here's the million-dollar question for you and I. We're going to talk about the rest of our time here together is what links would you go to in order to eliminate your debt? Now, this question was asked to a lot of people. 30% of people said, I'd sell an organ. I know if you're sitting in the balcony or in the back, you're probably like, hey, Google, which, uh, which organs can I live without? Okay, don't. <laughs> you're thinking that might be a great idea. Uh, 38% of people said they would take part in a questionable health study. And 55% of people said that, yeah, I'd be willing to turn my life into a reality show. Yeah, someone, yes, absolutely. So what if you could, what if you could get out of debt without selling a kidney, becoming a Kardashian, or taking shady medication? I mean, would you, would you be, again, I'm trying to get you to act today. I'm trying to make you angry about your situation and what's happening around you and how companies are using your situation to profit themselves and, and show you instead a simple plan from the scriptures about reducing debt. So I want you to hear this. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6. I'll put it on the screen for you right here. My son, this is a book of wisdom. If you've never read the Proverbs, one of my favorite books in the Bible. My son, if you've put up security for your neighbor, if you've shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, if you've been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, do this, my son, to free yourself since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands. Can you, out loud with me, can you see that right there? We're going to come back to it in a minute. Can you read it out loud with me there in bold? Go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Next slide. Uh, Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. Every parent has said that to their teenager at some point. 
It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Next slide. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. So here's what Proverbs is trying to say. You need to get angry. And what I mean by that, you you know when you're angry, you're focused on the thing that is making you angry. What anger does, the, the, the one side benefit of anger is that it focuses you on what you perceive as your foe. And what I'm trying to show you and what I hope you're seeing from the Proverbs and from Jesus is that you, you need to focus on the foe, and the foe is debt. And so you have to be weird and do some things differently, and you have to attack it, and you have to figure out how to eliminate it as quickly as you can. Did you hear verse 3? Go to the point of exhaustion. If you've got a, a, a Bible you're with physical paper, underline that word. And it means to throw yourself down. It's this image of throwing yourself down on the ground because you're tired and you're worn out, but it also conveys exhaustion and humility. I'm willing to humble myself. Here's how the message paraphrases uh, verse 3 of chapter 6 in Proverbs. Dear friend, if you've gone into hock, don't waste a minute. Get yourself out of that mess. So let me give you three simple things, and then I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about this. One, you're going to have to humble yourself. Um, you're going to have to swallow your pride. You're going to have to say, I'm going to take a smaller and lower lifestyle. You might have to sell things. It's very humbling to climb out of debt. And if you can't admit you have a problem, you can't do anything about it. You're going to have to develop a frugal lifestyle. Uh, You're going to have to ask a question. I've, I've asked you this several times, but you have to actually do the work of asking the question about your lifestyle Okay, at what point do I have enough? What is my enough threshold? Like when I get to this, that's enough. I don't need more than that. And then, let me say this gently to you, um, you have to get off thy buttocks. (laughs) Um, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? Will you get up from your sleep, a little sleep, a little slumber? So during this series, I'm going to ask you to make some commitments because this is going to start, the change in your life is going to start from you making some commitments. And the first thing is this. Can you, I want you to, if you're willing, say this out loud. Would you? Ready? Here you go. Only if you mean it. I commit to attack and pay off all my consumer debt. So I want you to imagine that, that Jesus, that Dave Ramsey, and that your grandma form a committee and, and, they're, and they're, they're looking at your situation, and they say, how in the world can we help him? How can we help her? Um, two of them give up on you. Jesus does not. <laughs> um, the, the three of them, they could get together, and they formed an action committee. What, what do you think they would say? And so I want to give you eight action items. These are not necessarily steps, because you might need to do these things concurrently, but eight action items that you're going to have to take if you want a different future and you want freedom for your present. Okay, here's the first thing. Ready? They'll be on the screen. You've got to figure out, okay, decide. I'm going to stop going into debt. Um, They'd sit down with you and they would uh, share with you a delicious recipe. They would turn the oven up to 350 degrees and they would take all of your credit cards and they would insert them. And they would say, the day of paying for things with debt is over. 
And the day of saying, I'm, I'm going to, as, as much as possible, if I get myself in this horrible bind, okay, but because of an emergency that I've got to cover a medical thing or a car, or, I'm only going to commit to buying things that I can actually afford. If I can't afford a new couch, then I don't buy a new couch. If I can't afford new shoes, then I don't buy new shoes. Stop going into debt. The second thing they tell you is to save $1,000 fast. One of the reasons you get into debt is because you have no fallback. And so you have a fallback. You put, um, Dave Ramsey talks about this, you save $1,000 and you put it in an emergency fund and that's how you, when you go, you, you, the, the washing machine breaks or um, you've got a, a, a something wrong with the car and you've got to fix the brakes, then you go to that emergency fund and you, you use that $1,000. And so as quickly as you can, sell things, whatever you've got to do, save $1,000 fast. And then, and we'll talk about this more next week, but then tithe. One of the reasons that you're in the situation that you're in is that you're not using God's principles for managing your finances, and you need God's help more than ever. You need God's insight, and uh, we'll talk more about that next week and how that provides freedom for your heart. But then, uh, fourth thing they would tell you is they would say, okay, you've got to figure out how to create a debt snowball. Some of you are familiar with this. Dave Ramsey talks about this. Other money people talk about this. You take your, all of your debts, your smallest to the largest. You pay the minimum payments on all of your um, biggest debts, and you take your smallest one, and you put as much money as you possibly can on that small debt until it's done. And then you take all that money, and you put it on the next debt, and you build this psychological momentum. And in fact, you can go to... Uh, Dave Ramsey's website. I'm not trying to shill for Dave Ramsey here, but it's just a tool. You can search debts, my debt snowball calculator, and it'll tell you. You can put in all of your, your debts, and it'll tell you. Um, and then next, Jesus and your grandma and Dave Ramsey would tell you to create a monthly budget. You've got to figure out, where is my money going? And you're, here John Maxwell says it this way, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went, right? Now, I think everybody could benefit from having a budget, but if you make more than, say, $100,000 in a year, you really need it because if you're making income at that level, you might think, ah, 300 bucks is not a big deal. And so it's easier for you to waste money. And, 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 but I, you're a steward of God's money, and he wants you to mac- maximize it for your kingdom. And so you may think 300 bucks is nothing, but what if you could take that $300 because you don't really need it, and you could give it, and you could build a well for someone in Malawi, and and they've got a kid who's five who's dying because they don't have clean water, and I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just saying what your money could do. That $300 would make a massive difference to them, but you would never know it if you don't budget. Now, you can come up with all kinds of ways. You can put it, there's apps. You can go to everydollar.com. You can have a spreadsheet. You can do it umpteen different ways, but figure out how do I put a budget together. And then six, you got to live on beans and rice, um, man, make a list of everything that's normal for people, for people in Wichita and just say, I'm not going to do that anymore. And you're going to get serious about cutting expenses. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm doing this in the, over this month. And um, just go through your, all of your bills as the, you can negotiate and go bid new insurance. Go find uh, car insurance. Go get a different quote on homeowner's insurance, your cable, your cell phones. Find subscriptions that you have. And maybe you've got six subscriptions and you don't need six. And you cut five and you, you have one. Maybe it'll take you a month. But what if you could invest a, a few hours on the phone and it could save you hundreds of dollars a month? It'd make a big difference, right? Um, and then if you need to, number seven, they would tell you, well, then go get a part-time job, work from home, do something online, sell things, deliver pizza, whatever it is you have to do. Why? You're getting, you're getting weird. You're doing what's not normal. And then number eight, 
um, is you've got to pray for creativity and wisdom. And the fact is that you need to make this a matter of daily prayer, and you're going to need God's help. You're going to need God's insight and God's wisdom, and that's what Grandma and Dave Ramsey and Jesus would tell you to get out of debt. So I'm, I'm asking you to make two commitments. The band's going to come. We're going to play a song here, and I'm going to ask you to do something in a second. Um, I'm going to, you're going to make the commitment right now to say, I commit to attack and pay off all my consumer debt. I hope you walk out of the room today and you say, okay, I've, I've thought about this. Um, I've debated this. This has been a source of argument in my household. This has been a source of frustration, but I've not made a plan and decided I'm really, I'm going to do something about this. Okay. I want you to walk out of here and say, I'm, I'm going to do, because I'm just saying based on the, I don't know your situation. I'm saying based on the statistics, this is probably most of us in the room. So you're going to, I'm committing to do this today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make this, I'm going to figure this out. If it takes me a month or three months or a year, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to, I'm going to make a difference in my financial situation. I'm going to experience freedom in my present. And then I want to ask you to commit to being here for the next two weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about um, why using your resources to serve other people creates freedom in your heart. And i um, got a few stories I want to tell you about that. That I, I don't want you to miss that. And then the last week, we're going to talk about how do you set up a different financial future for your kids, for your grandkids? How do you provide cushion? We're going to talk about that those next two weeks. Well, hey, um, when you came in, I think you were accosted by a junior high boy, (laughs) Um, some junior high boy energy going on, and they gave you a rock. And um, I hope you've been uh, holding the rock. Maybe it's been in your pocket. Maybe it's been in your lap. Maybe it's on the floor. But you've been aware of the presence of the weight of the rock, right? I had it in my pocket the whole time. And I am not asking you for an emotional commitment, okay? This is not a, we're going to come down in front of everybody and everybody's going to judge your financial situation. Not what we're talking about. I'm going to pray for you here in a second. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing for you and for your, um, your ability to make this commitment and stick with it and for God's blessing on you, even financially. And then the band's going to sing a song. But here's what this represents. This represents the weight of the bondage that you have financially in your current moment. Now, there's a handful of you, you don't have that. Thank the Lord. The majority of us in the room, though, we've got stuff, right? Like, okay, and, and what I want you to do, if you're serious, this is you, okay? This is you making the decision. I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to bless you, and I'll stand up. And, and if you say, I'm ready to actually make a commitment, then Again, this is not emotional. You, as you leave today while the band's playing and people are talking, you just come down and you just, as an act of commitment between you and God, you put the rock right down here on the altar. And it's your way of saying, okay, God, I'm, I'm making this covenant with you about my present moment. I want the freedom that comes with not having a mountain of debt. So I want to invite you to stand with me, would you? Let me pray for you. God, thank you that your word is very practical, that you care about every area and aspect of our lives, that there is an actual spirituality to our things and our possessions and money that has been entrusted to us.
God, I pray for my friends here today who are so stressed out about their finances. They are just struggling all the time. Would you plant the seed of hope in their heart today? That yes, it's going to take some work and yes, they're going to have to act, but that there's hope. They can get out from underneath this mountain with your help. So plant that seed of hope in them. Lord, may this be a different congregation because so many people over the course of 2023 get out of debt and aren't weighed down, aren't slave to a lender somewhere. So Lord, your blessing on them, your blessing on their work, Lord, give them bonuses, (laughs) give them opportunities, give them raises so they can have an impact in the world and a different future for their family. So Lord, as we make these little acts of commitment here in a minute, Lord, you you see that and, and we're making a covenant with you that we're committed, that we're all in on making a difference in our future and our present. So pray this in your name. All God's people said, amen.